Hello. Hey, Marilyn. What's up? Good morning, Dan. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty, Pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. I have this voice for a reason. <laughs> are you a little, maybe have a congestion, a cold, an allergy? I don't know. Oh. I think it's because I was up. <laughs> hang on. Let me work on my proximity FM. <clears throat> I was up later than usual last night. Oh, yeah? Podcasting. Oh, what were you podcasting about? I was podcasting. <laughs> uh, last night, I, um, I don't know, who cares? Uh, I, I, uh, I was care. Doing, yeah, that's all I need. Um, yeah, we're doing an episode of The Incomparable. We did one of Jason Snell's drafts, which I love. We did an X-Men draft, and we went through, and uh, there were seven participants picking their favorite X-Men in order to build a team, okay. and that was fun. But then, when the show was done, I ended up talking afterward for like two hours with uh, a <laughs> friend of the show, uh, Moises Trion, and, uh, and my new friend, Cicero Holmes. And we talked about X-Men and life and cities. Uh, as a, as a podcast or just as a... No, it probably should be. I mean, like, I, I kept the files. Mm -hmm. I mean, we can put it somewhere. But it was really, uh, it was interesting. Cicero's a very interesting guy. He does a podcast... He does a, a D and D thing. I think it's called Rivals of Waterdeep. I can put it in show notes. Rivals of Rivals of Waterdeep. Waterdeep. Like yeah, we got the Waterdeep game, um, and we spent two hours just like punching out all the game pieces. It was completely mental. Hey, Dan, we don't mention this often enough. If people want to find um, show notes for episode four four three. Is that right? Of your back to work program? Where, where would people go for that? They'd go to 5by5.tv <clears throat> slash B as in boys, 2 as in the number, W as in women, slash 443. 443. So how, how you been? You good? Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. I, <laughs> I, um, I, I, I kind of feel like I, 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 I want to talk about this. Yeah, what? And I don't know any other place or person I would want, really want to talk too about it besides you because I don't, but it was just such a strange and disturbing I'm so excited. thing. I don't know what it no, is. It's, it's but bad. Would... It's bad. Oh, um, yesterday hmm. I saw a man get struck by a car. Oh no. And he survived. Um, oh, God, I won't, Dan. Uh, he, Ugh. he, he was, uh, walking across this right by, uh, outside of is my this, is this in the city of this is in the city of Austin, city limits of Austin. I am. It's actually near <laughs> um, the city limits of Austin. It, it's it's near um a, my like it's on my commute home every day, which takes me by a, a couple schools. There's uh, right by the Anderson High School uh, is where this happened, and uh, it's you know the the road that it happened on is. It was not busy. I was leaving at, you know, what, six, maybe six fifteen, six thirty at driving. And there were not really many cars in the road and not many people walking. I mean, it was, you know, like what what time was it? Six fifteen, six twenty so, in the so PM. You're getting, you're getting into the beginnings of Twilight. Yeah, but bit. it was very well lit out. It was okay, very bright. Right. I mean, it's... <laughs> it's That's also... I, I tell my kid to be... Just as a side note, I tell my kid to oh, be careful all the time. But yeah. especially, especially anytime um, after rush hour has begun into the twilight times. Because right. I, I feel like... This is just anecdotal. But I do feel like on certain stretches of busy roads, people drive a little crazier after work. 
And then when you, cause you know, they want to get home and, and then you combine that with like the beginnings of imperfect light. And like, I, I, I would say always take an extra beat or two before you do anything involving a car. Probably so really good advice. And, so and I'm what's, what's, driving yeah. along. There's a car in front of me sitting at the, at the light. Yeah. Uh, like a white SUV type car. And we're both turning left. And again, this is a, a, a street that has two lanes, one going in each direction. It's not busy. There's a church there. You know what I mean? And so this, the, the guy is walking across and, and he was in the lane that our cars would be going in. Now, this is the weird thing. Sitting one car back, I, I mean, I could see him walking across. I could, mm-hmm. it was, it was plain as day. And it was also plain as day that he was walking at a place that he shouldn't have been walking. It wasn't at the, exactly the, the cross section. So was that jaywalking? Technically, I guess he was jaywalking. And so he's mm-hmm. walking across, but I mean, I could see him plain as day. It was completely obvious that he was there. It wasn't, it wasn't, it was, if I looked out of my windshield, it would have been impossible for me to not see him. And also, though, you you are, I mean, I'm not excusing this because in a minute I'll have a rant about this, but mm-hmm. you're a little further back than that fella. So yes. you do have a wider. A little POV. wider. Yes, I do. Um, yeah. But he was crossing at the wrong time and he was mm. crossing in the wrong place. But even so, I was completely surprised to see the person. And I mean, when they collided with him, we were still just just starting the acceleration from the, so it wasn't fast. It wasn't like we were kids in the car. No, just me. Okay. Um, But when I say we, I mean the the guy in front of me and I both, when the light turned, we both started to drive and turn. And I mean, I saw the guy and I was like watching the car hit him. It was like, it was in that feeling, that sense of low motion, that inevitability of like, Oh no, this is in motion. Yes, exactly. Uh, Exactly. I hate that feeling. feeling. And it's like, I couldn't do anything about it. I couldn't, you know, like I'm, I'm it's like, all I could do is sit there and watch this happen. (laughs) Yeah. And, and like, so I, I, um, the car collided with the guy. He didn't go flying or anything because oh, at that God. point they were slow. They were very slow. Like we, I was maybe going eight miles an hour at the most anyway, just coming out of the stop to go into a turn. And, and it was, it almost looked more like, like if, if I had a table on wheels and you were just standing there and I was like pushing it toward you and it kind of hit you. And you mm-hmm. just kind of like rolled backwards, mm-hmm. but he, his head was bleeding and he was able to get up and walk oh, and stuff. God. And, but it was like, it's like really weird to see that. Like it, it was, it was surreal in a way, like it happened, but it's almost like I, it was in super slow motion. And it was like, I almost felt like I could have gotten out and walked over and said, Hey, just stop. And you keep walking. Like it was that slow in my mind, like very weird. Have yeah. you ever seen something like that? Yeah, I have. It's disturbing. Um, yeah, I mean, first to your experience of that, it's um, you use that word surreal. Yeah, uh, I don't, I don't know of a better word than that. But like, it is. Uh, I've been in automobile accidents. I've caused some accidents. I've been hit by other people's errors in accidents, and I've you know obviously seen accidents and. Right. 
the thing about all of them is, is just first this, this weird, overwhelming feeling of like, wow, this is happening. Right. Where you, ex- I, I feel like, you know, they say time slows down and stuff like that, but it's, you're almost Im- immediately almost, uh, you're processing it as a memory that's happening in real time. Right. It's just like, you know what I mean? It's playing yes. through. Yes, exactly. Weird, yeah. In this really, really weird way. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to be Captain Bring Down, but <laughs> I mean, I, I, uh, I've seen a couple canine animal friends hit. Um, uh, and I mean, it was so scarring to me once when I was uh, in probably middle school. And once when I was in high school, I saw uh, this dachshund run out in the road, get hit. The driver took off and then we uh, got out to try and help the dog and try to get it out of the road. And it was dying. And you don't want to, I mean, I, I, I know you're not the same way about animals as I am, maybe. No, I like, love, I, I grew I, up with cats. I love cats. I'm no, not a dog I mean, like, person. It's like, but... it's, you're just, it's, it's so intense, you know, to yeah. deal with that. But, you know, you're also onto something else that's interesting, I think, which is like, I, I don't want to pivot away too hard because you're probably still processing this. It's, it's, you know, as, as, as a person's like going to be okay, I imagine they might have, do you think they have like a bad head injury? Uh, you know, it was tough to say he was standing up and he was talking to the other like wit- witnesses and bystanders and, and the other people and stuff like that. So he was, he was up so he was and around and, and conscious. I, I don't yeah. know what he might've been, had a concussion or he might've had a, an, an, another injury, but he was, there was blood on his head, but he was good enough to, to be standing and, and walking. Um, so, mm. I mean, I, I see that as a promising sign. But not, there's no way to know. One thing that's interesting about you, the way you describe this, uh, in my head, you know, it's like that uh, lake off thing, uh, don't think of an elephant. You know, when you mentioned <laughs> to me being at an intersection and seeing somebody hit, in my head, I, I already exactly see my own version of that, which is the intersection near my house uh, going uh, eastbound on this mm-hmm. kind of main arterial if, in our neighborhood. Yeah, it's it's weird how instantly I have a version of that in my head that I could see right. happening. That's, right. To me, that that's very interesting from a perception standpoint. But this is uh, something my kid and I were talking about yesterday. Not not so long, uh, planet time after what you experienced, which is we went and uh, got some dinner and brought it back, and we're crossing the street. And we ended up having this conversation that I initiated about you know the impossible decision making that goes into. On the one hand, being a driver, but mm-hmm. honestly, on the other hand, to being a pedestrian. Because, and, and I'll pivot away from the boring part in a sec, but th- there is an interesting part to this. Because, um, you know, in our case, we live on a, a pretty pretty significant incline. And uh, I was saying something I've said to her before, I just wanted to remind her of. I said, now, see, coming from that direction, coming from the south to the north, uh, you're going up a, a teen level degree hill. Uh-huh. I don't know what, exactly what it is. It's over 10%. It's, I mean, it's a, it's a pretty serious grade. You, you get tired walking to my house because it, it's enough of a hill. Right. I said, now that direction, that, you know, that direction can suck because that's coming from a busy road. And a person who has just turned right off of a busy road, uh-huh. think about that for a second. They're driving faster than we might like. Right. Because, I mean, again, think about it. You've been on a road. Think about how you drive when you're getting off a highway. So like if somebody had the bad fortune to have a house near a cloverleaf, like near an exit, for a highway, you know they need to be careful about everything they do because nobody's thinking about who lives there. Right. People were thinking about, I want to get from this highway to that highway. 
You know, I, I yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like there's a, there's a funny thing to that where if, as opposed to driving through an area that's that's constant, like people crossing the street. In that case, you are still getting out of one way of thinking about driving. And I said, but the good thing is they're going uphill and we can see them coming from downhill. And so that gives us extra, extra time to process, even if they are driving quicker than we might like. I said, now right. the other thing is I said, turn to the right. People coming from uh, the north going downhill. That's double against us. Because on the one hand, they get a slight incline right before they peek over that hill and start coming downhill so they don't see us. But also, it's going to take them so much longer to break if they see us. So in my head, I guess what I'm trying to get at is as a pedestrian, having crossed this same road uh, where, you know, where my house is, having crossed that road for 19, almost 20 years, Mm -hmm. like I still, I, I have this evolving algorithm for how I, uh, what is the, what is the, what do they say, the, the threat model for crossing the street? And I, I, I've just given you a couple things that I'm aware of right. based on experience. Now, I have never been, not, you know, knock on wood, I haven't been hit by a car. Right. But here's where it gets interesting to me as a pedestrian or a driver is that there's still always going to be stuff that could happen that you can't predict at all. Maybe uh, an Acme safe falls out of the sky. Mm-hmm. You don't know. But it's, it's, it's so interesting to me how our decision-making in day-to-day life and our perception in day-to-day life, uh, I guess not surprisingly, is governed by our experience. But it's also, it, you still, your brain still has to accommodate the one time something goes horribly wrong. Or not even deadly wrong, but like in your case. How many times have you driven that road? Like dozens of times. At least, Hundreds, right? yeah. Hundreds of times. And that's, the, but, and you know that if you, somebody asks you, could, could you imagine somebody being hit on that street? Yeah, sure. But like you still, there's no preparation for that. Right. And it's, <clears throat> you know, it's, it's one of those things where you've been rehearsing your whole life for this moment, whether you know it or not. And uh, I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I'm so interested in the way that we put together, that we combine our cognition, our memory, our intellect our decision-making, and then that kind of becomes this weird cocktail with what's happening right now. Right. Like I've got hot food I want to get back. Or, like in this case, my kid's been homesick, and like, okay, so, you know, I need to deal with that. I don't know. I just think that's crazy interesting, because you can't overthink every second of your decisions, future, current and future decisions. You can't overthink that every second. You never get anything accomplished. Right, Exactly. But like, I don't know, in my brain, this goes toward lots of different things. It goes, you know what, if you want to make it about a back to work thing, you will not realize you said something stupid, ignorant, or hurtful to somebody until it's probably too late, unless you're a horrible person. But you, after you've said something at work, you, you didn't realize the context for it. You didn't realize maybe what you said, your word choice uh, was more hurtful or or damaging or insulting than it needed to be in order to make a very modest point. You can't right. do that until it's too late, and then you can't take it back. And it's like, well, you did your best, I assume, in the moment, but like you can never be totally prepared for that. Very true. I don't know. I, I feel like there's a point here somewhere. You know, it's just, and then so I guess the corollary to all of that is then even with the you know the best laid. Uh, plans of mice and men, uh, you could be the most prepared and cognizant and considerate person in the world. And it's still, there's still no existential insurance policy that tells you everything's going to go okay, just because you're doing your best. Right. And then you have to do like, you know, 
you do your risk mitigation. And then after the thing happens, you have to figure out like how to, how to fix it yeah. or, you know, and it's hard. I find that very difficult. Yeah. But you're still thinking about it the same way I would still be thinking about it. The same way I can exactly place myself on that road yesterday, uh, thinking about how you cross at that point. Right. Yeah. Life's, yeah. life's hard, Dan. Yeah. I mean, it's difficult because we, I think most of us are doing our level best mm-hmm. on a given day with what we have to work with. But like, it's still, there's still no, no amount of preparation that will make us blameless, harmless, unharmful <laughs> to people, nor protect us from the stuff that we have no way of, of predicting. Which is kind of a harrowing proposition. Yeah. 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 I just put something in show notes. Okay. Uh, and, and I'm not going to make this into a thing. Okay. I'm not going to get into th- a thing with you, but um, okay. all right. Okay. I, 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 I have a POV that I, that I will keep mostly to myself, but uh, I enjoy a podcast called The Pessimist Archive that I've mentioned before. Okay. Um, and um, I, I, I think sometimes, I mean, I, I would not say anything against this guy. I really enjoy his show. I think sometimes he's a little, so, so you know, I, I, you, I don't know if you listen to the show. The, the conceit is that anytime a new technology or cultural thing comes along, there's a, generally a pretty predictable response, especially from older people. Mm-hmm. So stuff like, you know, the Walkman, well, and specifically the Walkman, I mean, people are going to be killed in crosswalks at much oh. huger oh, levels right, than right, the right, Walkman right. exists. Yes. You know, um, if we you know the introduction of, of any kind of technology, I mean, the Greeks, as I said, I think might've said here last time, there were, there were significant uh, figures in, in Greek culture who said that the prevalence of writing was going to kill people's memory. Nobody will be able to remember <laughs> anything anymore if they start writing things down, Right, which I guess could be true, but like, well, in retrospect, I'm really glad people wrote stuff down. He had a very interesting episode, uh, came out September 12th, a week ago, uh, called Scooters and Roller Skates. And it's the, the, the premise of it is there's this huge backlash in cities uh, like San, San Francisco and I imagine in Austin, a huge backlash for like bird scooters and lime scooters. Yes. Because people, well, um, let's just start by saying, I think it's fair to say that there's a lot of backlash to that. Uh, there wouldn't be that backlash if people didn't really like using them. Because the problem is people leave them all over the place. They drive mm-hmm. dangerously. Yeah. They are a, they feel like a new and an encroaching thing that's harmful to pedestrians and to cars and maybe even to other people on scooters. But boy, can't we all agree that these things are the worst and they're dangerous and they should be banned. And why are they here? And what's great is he goes back and I I have not vetted his research, but he goes back and talks about specifically scooters, but also this, uh, this thing that happened in the late 1800s where suddenly there was this weird explosion of like four different new kinds of, uh, the transportation that were that were all like shocking and dangerous in some way to other people. And they included, he talked about scooters, he talked about roller skates, he talked about this new kind of, most people would, uh, if you're going to have some kind of transit, it would be like in an omnibus, like a bus that was pulled by horses and went really slowly. There was this new kind of rickshaw-like uh, form of transit that was essentially like Uber, where it cost a ton more, it was way more comfortable, and the driver could drive super fast and zip around people. Mm-hmm. And anyway, I, I really, I, I thought it was so interesting and provocative. The two things I walked away with, my one controversial thing <clears throat> is that for so many reasons, cars won. Car, roads did not used to be a thing for cars. <laughs> 
It was for everything. It was for standing still. It was for riding a horse. It was for playing. Roads in cities used to be a place where all kinds of different stuff happened. Flash forward, not very long. Uh, through a lot of lobbying and through a lot of this and that, uh, roads became a thing that are only for cars. And if you are in the road, you better be there temporarily and you better not mess with the cars because roads are for cars. I'd never heard it put in quite that way. And I, I thought it was super interesting. But the big thing that I walked away with, I said this on Twitter, but the big thing I walked away with is that uh, the one thing that kind of binds all Americans together is the belief that everybody except for them in particular moves incorrectly. Everybody walks wrong. <laughs> Everybody drives wrong. Right. The old somebody, uh, Todd Vaziri mentioned the old George Carlin bit about every single driver is either like an erratic idiot who drives way too fast or, or some, some dumb piece of crap who drives too slow. You do everything. You, one, me, I do everything perfectly and everybody else is a nuisance. You know what I'm saying? I totally do. It's true. It's true. Wow. Whatever, I, however, I am conveying myself in that moment is the superior form of transit. There's a mom uh, of a classmate of my daughter uh, uh, back at her elementary school that she left in, uh, <laughs> from which she graduated in uh, May. Right. Um, and this Big kid has been in a class with my daughter uh, for three years at elementary school. And on, I believe, three separate occasions, I've almost been killed by his mother. Oh my gosh. In a Tesla. Now, you know, normally you'd expect somebody being, somebody about to kill somebody for no reason in a car would be a black BMW. You would be correct. A lot of times it is a black BMW. <laughs> in this case, it was her red Tesla. And uh, she just doesn't see stop signs or she oh, hates no. me. Oh, it's no. wild. And I'm like, hey, with, with, with my daughter and him, class. <laughs> no, not even, you can't even hear because it's a Tesla. So you just hear. <gasps> right. Yeah. This, this, the sound of immediate electric smugness driving away. <laughs> <laughs> title <laughs> Dan would you tell me about something you like hold on I'm capturing that title immediate the sound of immediate electric <laughs> Bye -bye. silence smugness 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 <laughs> smugness alright yeah uh, yes. I didn't find out for a long time they, they own a restaurant that we eat at I didn't know that See, now you can't anyway, even eat there Anyway, she almost, you know, squeezed and pulled and hurt my neck in 1988. She almost killed me with a red Tesla. <laughs> it's going to change the way we think about cities. Dan, tell me about something you like. I'll tell you about Molecule. Molecule. Molecule is, is one of these things that I just really, really like it. We have one, and I really feel like it makes a big difference, especially around allergy time, especially around the time that, uh, that, that people are getting sick, whether it's with colds or flus or that kind of thing. But there are tons of people who use this to help with things like asthma, any kind of breathing issue, any kind of allergen. This is something I would have loved to have had when we had cats. Because I remember when I went into the allergist's office, uh, they did that. This they do this test. I don't know if you've ever if you've ever done an allergy test, like the kind where they poke you. Exactly. No, but I've had lots of friends that have, but they make, they draw a grid on you and then poke you. Yeah. And that's yeah, pretty they, wild. What they did for me, they did it, it on looks my- like your body does not like grass. <laughs> that's right. They do it on your back. And usually sometimes if they're just testing for one or two things, they might do it in your arm, but they did mine on my back and they test you for like everything that exists in the world. And when they did like grass and tree and pollen, my 
the area of my back that they did it, they're supposed to see like, maybe it looks like a little mosquito bite, or maybe it looks like a little, a little bump of like the entire area of my back where they did it swelled up to the point that the dermatolo- the dermatologist or allergist or whatever he was, whatever kind of doctor he was, left the room and came back with three other allergist MDs to show them the reaction. And <laughs> the nurses came in and looked and everyone was like pointing. I was like, great. And they, I said, well, what can I do about it? They <laughs> should feel like you should feel like the elephant man. I well, I as much gaze as upon the gaze as, upon this poor yeah, creature. Yes. The and grass is destroying him. And so I was there and I was like, well, what do I do about it? And the doctor's like, well, you know, the first thing you could do is, is, is keep your cats out of your bedroom. Don't let them sleep with you. Don't even sit with them. I'm like, all I do is sit with them and they sleep with me all the time. They're like, well, mm-hmm. you can't do that. And I said, isn't there some kind of a thing I could get you say, that you say, would help with There's got to be a better way. And he said, uh, he said, no. He said, there's nothing, nothing, but this was a long time ago. Now we have something like the molecule that's designed specifically to help with this kind of a thing. This is a complete reinvention of the air purifier. It's not just an improvement on the existing, which is really the outdated technology that that people are familiar with, which is just push stuff through a filter and make the filter as small as you can, which is like the HEPA filter that you can capture stuff in that. And that's, that does something, but there is a better way. Molecule actually destroys indoor pollutants at a molecular level. They completely remove these pollutants from the air that you breathe. They use something called photoelectrochemical oxidation, which is, they shorten Mm -hmm. down to PECO, P-E-C-O. This is, a technology that eliminates allergens and mold and bacteria and viruses and other airborne chemicals by destroying them. And it can destroy pollutants that are a thousand times smaller than what HEPA filter can capture. If I had had one of these in my bedroom, mm-hmm. I bet I would have had no, no problems at all, but you've got to try this. They, they have, they have done amazing things. There's one woman that, that has said this is the first time she could breathe through her nose in 15 years and this is really making a difference for a lot of people. And they're beautiful. They're the, these beautiful metal cylinders with this little blue light that you can even toggle on and off. But the blue light apparently is is involved in the destruction of the pollutants. So you want to leave that on, but you can put you can control it with an app on your phone so mm-hmm. that you can set up like, when does it work its hardest? What size is the room? Do you want it to go into like silent mode? If you're sitting there watching a, a movie at night, all of these things, they thought of everything, but this technology, this is the real deal. It's backed by the EPA uh, and, and, and in fact funded by the EPA. This is the, this is a legit thing. And these claims that they make about how much it helps people, they've been tested and verified by third-party labs like the University of Minnesota Particle Collaboration Laboratory. I mean, this is science, and it's real, and it works. And it has made, a, I believe, a huge difference in how often me and my kids uh, get sick. My wife never gets sick. But me and my kids, that we don't get colds. We haven't had allergy issues. This thing has been amazing for us. You can find out about it by visiting Molecule.com, and it's spelled M-O-L-E-K-U-L-E, Molecule.com. When you're checking out, enter the promo code back to work, one word, and you'll get 75 bucks off your first order. So last time, Molecule.com, M-O-L-E-K-U-L-E, Molecule.com, promo code back to work, 75 bucks off. Hope you have as good of an experience with it as I have. 
Thanks, Molecule. Thanks, Molecule. Buck, buck. We have a little bit of follow-up, I okay. notice. Uh, I, I did, you, did you put this in or did I put this in? In any case, we have some actionable follow-up here. I see. Oh, we should find who the listener is. Who, oh, who submitted the hotel room thing? And the remote thing. Yes, yes, yes. The, the thermostat and the remote thing. Let's take a moment and thank our friend because this was so helpful. And I do have some real world experience to share on this. Oh, excellent. I was hoping you would. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. Um, so how long ago was that? Oh, did you see the cover of uh, X-Men number one, upcoming Hickman? X-Men? Oh, the, you, the one you tweeted, yes, oh, but only Gray? because you tweeted it. It looks awesome. Oh my God, oh my God, it looks so cool. Commonsology is being difficult with me, and I don't know why. What's going it, on? It looks like it might be a known issue. It's, it's only letting me use Amazon Pay, and it's saying, saying my Amazon Pay is not set up, and it's really weird. It looks like something other people have been getting. Um, I want to find this. Uh, So, daggone it. Oh, Twitter, you're useless. Um, A listener to the show, and I apologize. If I can find the tweet before this uh, comes out, I'll I'll put a a link in the notes. But a a very helpful listener had some follow-up to something we had talked about uh, some weeks back. Um, And... uh, I had expressed frustration with being in a hotel room with like a pretty good LG TV. Yes. Um, but the LG TV had motion smoothing turned on. It had, uh, there was no way to access the menu functionality. And on top of all that, I, I do this weird thing where uh, I will bring a, a, this really cool, tiny, uh, pretty small, like uh, SSD um, USB drive to be able to play movies on a compliant hotel room TV. And so you load, you, you load the movies onto the USB drive and then you can plug it in and the, the television will find that. And yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 You have to, how did I do it? Did I do it as fat? I think it might be NTFS format um, that works with lots of TVs. I think it's cool. the Microsoft NTFS format, but in any case, um, but because there was no way to change inputs. Oh, I didn't, I didn't say. So the, but the remote that, came with the TV in the hotel room was the kind that like you would get as a replacement for someone you don't like from like Eckert drugs, like little, one of those little like cheapy crappy little buttons, like no functionality. Okay. So this listener who I, whose name I wish I could find right now and I can't said, Hey, you should go and check out um, this remote. And I'm, I'm not here to sell this as the unique and only way to do this, but he pointed Dan and me too. Intiset 4-in-1, universal backlit IR learning remote for use with Apple TV, Xbox, Roku, Media Center, Kodi, NVIDIA uh, Shield, most streamers, and other AV devices by Intiset. This is a $26 remote that is, uh, it's pretty good sized. It's relatively ergonomic as these kinds of things go today. Um, and it's got, it's got, but it's, it's got a ton of stuff on it including like those little like uh, colored buttons you would have on an Xbox or a PlayStation that I've never really understood. Right. Um, but here's the thing. It's, it's a, it's built to be a programmable remote and it's, pr- I, I set this up for myself at home. He's, he's saying, he's saying what he's saying is put one of these in your travel bag. Right. And now when you show up somewhere and you, you hate your hotel remote or it's been in a German's butt you now have your own bespoke remote that you can uh, program because guess what? Interset has a very helpful site 
there where you go in, you say what model of TV it is, what brand of TV it is, and it does a real good job of uh, programming to accommodate what remote you're trying to replace. I tried to do this with apps in the hotel room, but as I said, you need to be, you and your TV need to be on the same Wi-Fi connection to use like an LG remote app like I would use at home. Anyway, this Intiset 4-in-1 Universal Backlit, uh, it comes pre-programmed. So it's got, it's got A, B, C, and D buttons that you can program for different devices. And what's cool is it's already pre-programmed. A is an Apple TV remote. It's already programmed for that. So if you get this for your home and have an Apple TV, um, that's pre-programmed for that. B, Xbox One, C, Kodi or Kodai, whatever that is, and D, Roku. But then uh, you can have a printout sheet or you can get the website and you can go in. So you're in a hotel room. I, I'm keen to try this out. Because I love the idea of having my own actual remote that does what I would like it to do. Right. I mean, that's that's the ultimate thing that you want to do is to be able to go into one of these hotels where you know there's this great TV sitting there and it has all these mm-hmm. other capabilities, yeah. all this other stuff that you want to do. Well, maybe it's not a great TV, but well, you know, it's a TV. It's a TV. My anecdotal note on this, uh, and this is, this is not always true, sometimes the TV... And the TV service suck. Yeah. So sometimes sometimes you're stuck with a terrible TV and where nobody's ever done the right aspect ratio on it. Everything is stretched out. Sometimes you'll get a TV where you get the non, they've programmed the non HD stations. But in my experience, <clears throat> at an okay, good, you know, three digit a night hotel, what you get, you either get a really good TV or awesome TV service. You rarely get both. Oh, you never get both. I see. I don't know why. I don't know why, but it feels like sometimes you get this, like, you'll get like a, like in this case, uh, where we were at this, like, pretty nice lodge. The TV was fantastic and the service was ass. And so we were handling that laminated card to try and figure out where Guy Fieri is because you don't want to accidentally run into that guy. Um, But, you know, anyhow, so uh, I'm keen to try this. I I think it's neat. And uh, like I say, I've set it up for home use and... uh, I've been trying to make myself use it instead of the Apple TV remote. Uh, and it's pretty good. Like menu is the way you would use menu. There's also this little like, I don't know how you describe it, a semicircular uh, counterclockwise arrow that's like a go back. You know what I mean? Like it means go yes, back to the previous yes, thing. Yes. And on Apple TV, it's actually pretty smart about that. It mostly treats it as a menu button. Um, but so this is not going to be perfect or for everything, but like, it's nice to have one remote that does all the things. Oh, and it also has something neat. Um, it has something called channel locking and it has something called volume locking where you, it's really smart. You, you go in and you say, um, okay, for example, uh, I have this LG TV always when I hit the volume button, always override all the other things that could be trying to change the volume and always use the LG, um, volume this is the one that I want this to be. Ditto for channels. There's, I could change channels on lots of different things, but you could, you know, I guess bind that to uh, your your Comcast box or whatever. So and do you do you see this thing? as more of a remote that you'll use uh, when you're traveling, or is this so good that you might use it at home also? I don't know. Uh, it's a good question. I mean, I'm, I, right now it is. It, it didn't cost me anything to set it up to use in the house. Right. Um. But uh, I don't know. I would definitely take it with me and see how it goes. You know, I don't travel that that much. And right. I shouldn't care about TV, but I do. For my daughter and me in particular, that's a fun thing. That's a fun thing we do where we'll, it's it's fun to be in a different uh, place in, in this great country looking at your iPad uh, while you watch TV. It's fun to yeah. do that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want a wild Fieri to catch my Fieri. 
<laughs> you know, the, 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 my attitude with this has always been to just treat the TV as a piece of, in, in a hotel, as a piece of furniture that I won't, I don't even use. You know what I'm saying? Like I've given yeah. up trying to oh, make it Oh, because of the work. frustration with the uh, interacting with it? Yeah, just because it's like, it's, it doesn't work the way you want. You can't put your content on it. It's just whatever awful guide that they have that takes 20 minutes to scroll to the next page that it, yeah. I got to the level of frustration. I was like, just forget it. It's not even worth it. We'll yeah. just watch on the iPad. But this is maybe maybe promising enough that uh, it, it could it could solve some of that problem. Um, and before we throw to the other suggestion from this listener, our uh, listener whose name we can't find, um, one <laughs> other thing that it does <clears throat> it does lots of pretty cool things. But just finally, um, I, you know, I've bought the Harmony Uber remote, and I, I found it so overwhelming to use. Oh, I've seen that one. Yeah, I've I mean, never. They're, they're I've they're never tried that. They're costly, and uh, people love them. I think especially people who are not primarily using Apple TVs love them. Um, but the, the other thing this has, and I have not tried this yet, but it's got features. It's got, you can teach, you can teach the buttons. So if there's something you want a button to do that's not on there, I mean, I assume that could be something like taking me to settings in Apple TV or whatever. I don't know. But mm-hmm. whatever it is, you can, you can train uh, using the, your current remote, you can train it to to learn what a button means, but you can also move a button. So in, in, in the sense that the functionality of this button in for this given device could now be available for these. Oh, other I get devices. it. I get it. I get it. So, you know, if you've got something besides volume, but that involves your receiver that does all the audio things. And it's not not something like input or something it could easily understand. You can program that. I've sold this thing enough here, but thank you to our listener for that. Um, and I will throw it to you. Can you do the other one? Because this is yeah. so boss. I had yeah. no idea this. I, I always want to like. I always want to learn all the machines. I know but the machine I would least think to learn is a thermostat. Please <laughs> tell our listeners about this great thermostat trick. Yes. Yeah, so this is an article um, that was submitted by the same same mystery listener uh, who doesn't want to be mysterious, but is um, they um, it, the article is by Alan Henry. And it's, it's old. This is a six-year-old article that I wish I had yeah. seen six years ago, which is override your hotel room thermostat and set it as hot or cold as you like. And the <laughs> thermostat that they have in the picture in the video here on this uh, Lifehacker uh, article is the exact one that's in every hotel. At, I mean, I've been in hotels that are you know, horrible that you don't want to stay in all the way to the really high end ones. It's almost always this thermostat. It like really, this is the one. And, uh, and, and so apparently at least as this article calls it, VIP mode exists for these (laughs) kinds of thermostats. And it, it allows you because a lot of hotels will, they'll set a, a limit where you can't make it warmer or colder, or they'll have some kind of a motion sensor so that if you are, um, if you, if it doesn't detect yeah. movement within a certain period of time, it will, uh, or I don't know if it's heat or movement, but it, it will, it will sort of turn itself off. I'm one of these weirdos who I want to make the bed, um, the bedroom really, really cold so oh, that I, love I don't, a cold bedroom. so that yes. I don't have to, so that I don't have to worry at night about the air running on and off, I made the thing so cold. It's well, like, also if you get that air running, you also have a little bit of a sound machine now. Very true. Very true. You're going to hear the bangs and clangs in the room service elevator slams. Right. 
Okay, so I so, am. so I, I want full control of the thermostat. Who wouldn't, and Dan? Who wouldn't? It's a civilized society, Dan. Do I have to beg to control my environment? So it even says Dear on God. here, it says the trick also disables the motion sensors that many hotels use to keep the heating and cooling system active when a guest <laughs> is in the room. Environment. Yeah, um, and uh, and so you know you can you can set it to whatever you want. And apparently, what you do is you. I'm not going to go through the, the whole thing, but basically, it just involves like holding the display button down, pressing off. And then pressing the up arrow, and then that puts it in the mode where you can just make it do whatever you want it to do. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, I mean, this is one of those things that if this really works, and I haven't had a chance to test it, yeah. but if this thing works, I'm going to feel like a like a god in the hotel. If anybody now. knows of a website that's just tons of stuff like this, and don't send me a life hacker or something. No, is there no. a place like there's the thing like I bought that book uh, written by a pilot about all the stuff pilots know uh that are interesting for you to know uh if anybody's got like a collection What's, wait of, wait i remember you telling me about that book but i don't i don't uh, remember the title of it do you still i'll have to look it up on the amazon history i'm pretty sure i bought it for kindle but yeah it's basically so what is it it's a pilot explaining uh and this is i'm telling you this i'll, I'll put it in notes when i find it but it's also just to explain what i'm looking for here i love ah oh, there was this great website back in the day and it was uh, this is where uh, people would come and so they would be like, so tell me, tell me the like really super surprising thing that changes the way people like you do your job. Right. That's where I first heard years ago, the CSR, the customer service person who said, don't tell somebody to turn something off and on, right. tell them to blow the dust out of the right. prongs. Right, right. And I'm, I'm like, yes, please tell me all of these things. And in this instance, this is a book I got, pretty sure I got on Amazon. Uh, from a pilot, like just telling you all kinds of stuff about when you hear this, that's what this thing is. And I must when, have this book, Merlin. <laughs> when there's this kind of event, uh, you know, that in, that might indicate that. And, you know, G- give me, I give lo- me, if give there's me the more deets. stuff like that, give me, give me, give me. Yes, yes. I'm looking for it right now. Now, before I hear about something you like and I go and find the pilot book, I would like to say with my mouth words, one more donut. That is made of jam. Steve Whitaker. Thank you to Steve Whitaker, S-W-H-I-T-T, for the tips on the remote and on VIP mode. Uh, thank you, Steve. You are uh, officially a friend of the show for your wonderful tips. Um, Dan, would you like to tell me about something you like while I try to find the pilot book? Yes, I'll tell you about something called Zapier. Have you heard about Zapier? Zapier? Not, don't don't say Zapier. Nobody no. says that. Don't say Zapier. I don't know what that. I don't know what you're talking about. It's not a thing. I know about yeah. Zapier. I don't know what Zapier is. I've never heard <laughs> of that. Zapier lets you connect your apps and automate workflows. And let me just tell you, I really get what this is. I really get it now because I've actually started really using it on, as an experiment with a couple of projects. And so this is one of those really interesting applications, services, if you will, that it makes it so easy to automate your work. But let me tell you exactly what I'm talking about here, because mm-hmm. let, Merlin, let's talk about something mm-hmm. important. Let's talk about something important. Yeah, I'll give you an example. Okay. Let's say that um, you want, you have a, I'm making this up. You have a newsletter. Yes. Right. And and your newsletter is hosted on MailChimp and you want to integrate this newsletter that you have with 
when somebody does a thing in email or on a Google form or somewhere else. Dan, Dan, imagine that your life PayPal. is a lot Maybe of you just very, got a donation from PayPal. You've got a bunch of very useful Lego blocks in your life. But yeah. Up till now, you haven't known how to connect them to each other. This lets you connect them to each other. Imagine and you're like one of those old timey operators on the TV and you got to take the quarter inch cord from this and put it into there and say, one oh, moment, yeah. please. Like, and now imagine that's a Zapier. Right. Who's, who's that's how it works. That's help with that. how Let me it help you. works. So you could have, so you could say, oh, well, somebody just donated a dollar on the thing. Mm-hmm. It could automatically thing. reach over to, to, uh, to MailChimp and sign them up as a MailChimp customer. But I'm just mentioning PayPal and MailChimp. It, they've got thousands of applications that are programmed to work with this. Pages Unsurprisingly, pages. I have several involving um, Google Docs and Google Sheets. <laughs> so like what you're funneling information from one place into a document. Yeah, uh, yeah it's I mean, so like cool. it's, it's your piping stuff together, as we used to say. Yes, and it works with almost everything. Stuff that you you think, oh, there's no solution for me. I can't use this application to do that. Yes, you can. I've actually been looking at doing some of the fireside integration stuff with this so that you could, you know, making it easier for customers to come in and say, oh, I want when someone does this for this thing to happen. So like there is so much, but I mean, the applications that they've tied into are everything from YouTube to, to Doist to Evernote to Shopify to MailChimp to WooFoo to, I mean, you Woo-foo. name it. And all <laughs> the Google services plug in, Survey Monkeys in there, emails that you can do, LinkedIn stuff, like everything is there and it is so, 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 so cool. And it really is the easiest way to automate this stuff. I've never seen anything easier to do it. And obviously a lot of what I think people are doing is like letting you like get leads and sending them to a CRM, but there are, it's virtually endless what you can do with this. And it's so easy to build the solution you need because you don't need to write code. You don't need to ask a developer for help. It's couldn't be easier. And apparently looking at the notes here, they say there's four and a half million people who are saving an average of 40 hours per month by using Zapier. So, I mean, Give this thing a try. Go to Zapier. It's spelled Z-A-P-I-E-R. The thing is, we will know if you accidentally type uh, or say Zapier, we'll know, and you'll be banned from the show. You can only say Zapier. It's the only way you're going to get there. Get your mind right. Zapier.com slash back to work. That supports the show. And and when you're there, you can get a 14-day free trial to try it out through November. Okay, so it's Zapier, wow. Z-A-P-I-E-R, Zapier.com slash back to work, 14-day trial through November. So go give them a try. I really love this service, and I bet once you check it out, you'll find something cool to use it for, too. So thanks very much to Zapier, like Happier, for making this show possible. Thanks, Zapier. Buck, buck. Author Patrick Smith. Cockpit confidential colon, everything you need to know about air travel colon. Come on, two colons? What kind of you, there, monstrosity you can't are have you? That. You can't Cockpit have that. confidential, everything you need to know about air travel, questions, answers, and reflections by Patrick Smith. It is in show notes. Uh, for millions of people, travel by air is a confounding, uncomfortable, and even fearful experience, you think? Patrick Smith, airline pilot and author of the popular website, askthepilot.com, separates fact from fallacy and tells you everything you need to know bullets, how planes fly, and a revealing look at the men and women who fly them, uh, straight talk on turbulence, pilot training, and safety, the real story on delays, congestion, and the dysfunction of the modern airport, uh, the, mis- and mi- 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 <laughs> the myths and misconceptions of uh, cabin air and cockpit automation. 
Uh, so yeah, that is in show notes. This is the book that I bought. My only, my only dot on this eye is I don't know how recently this has been updated. Um, maybe we should uh, ask the pilot. Dot com. Anyway, I, that's the book. You must get this, Dan. <laughs> well, the, I have some quick questions about it. The yes, first is an observ- <laughs> is an observation that I know Whoa. that there are a lot of things that that change in the industry of aviation. But I feel yeah. like jet travel, even if this even if this book was five years old, I still think it's a lot of it's got to still be relevant. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. No, I, I imagine I, the only reason I say here is, I mean, uh, some things that come to mind immediately. Uh, the, hmm, the the false economy that lets stuff like Virgin and JetBlue mm-hmm. be as good as they were, especially Virgin, that's gone. Uh, the difference in seating, the way the way they're oh, doing right. weird stuff with seats, seat weight, seat functionality, all that kind of stuff. Right. And then, you know, then all the obvious stuff of like all the nickel and diming, which has always been there, but is now so crazy. But I bet you're still going to get some really good inside info. And I'm looking at the Ask the Pilot website, which you've got to look at. I'm looking at his article called Things I Bring, What He Brings mm. With Him. I love stuff like this. He has a, he keeps a Sharpie and a highlighter and a ballpoint pen. Sounds like you. It does sound like me. Um, oh, yeah, this is good. I mean, this is pretty cool. This is like an old school bloggy kind of site. Oh, second edition of Cockpit Confidential now available. There you go. Cockpit Updated. Confidential. Updated yeah. for 2019. Is that right? I don't know. I just said that. Okay. It sounded good. Doesn't it sound good? It does sound good. So if anybody's got uh, suggestions for stuff, oh, James Fallows likes it. That's I like that guy. He flew around, he and his wife, they flew around the country in a plane because he's a flying boy and a journalist for The Atlantic, which is a pretty good magazine sometimes. I think you'd make a f- freaking fantastic pilot. Do you, do you think I have that in me? I mean, Hell I'm, yeah. I could be pretty erratic as a personality. I get bored easily. <laughs> you, could read your, you could read your books while you're up in the air. I'm going to send you my watch face. Because it's so bananas. My favorite new watch face. Oh, did I watch... tell you? Did I tell you that I ordered one of those things? Which one? You got a Series Five? Yeah, Coolio. Um, uh, that is interesting. My sense was this was something that didn't interest you. Is the always on face? That's what I've been waiting okay. for. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Because I'm like an old fashioned watch. Well, that's what it's, it's a watch. That's what you want to watch for. Yeah. It's not crazy. Yeah. Um. Let me find this. This new face is so wild. I, I posted this on the internet, but I, I don't assume anything about what people see. I'm clicking. I'm looking for Dan. I'm on my phone. Um, this is called Solar. What is this face called? It's called Solar something. I have and, I have been out com- to you. completely out of the world. Here it comes. Of the Apple Watch for a long time now. I had a the Series Zero. Yeah. yeah, you're going to have to explain this to me. I did see this and I didn't understand it. <laughs> There's so much happening on there. The you, you information to me? density my is... My daughter, my daughter. Well, explain it to like, me. My daughter's like, you really don't understand that? And I was like, I don't understand a lot of it. <laughs> There's, I said, I mean, it I, looks like I'm about to crash a flight simulator to me. Maybe that, I, could, be, maybe that could be show art. I think the time is either yeah, 920... 9.20 a.m. you can get. Okay. You can, right, you can get to the complica- complications are complications. The outside four complications. Yeah, if you've used an Apple Watch, that's not going to seem so weird. Right. Um, but why but then, is the 9.20 kind of off center? Is that a... Well, let's, maybe let's start with the <laughs> Where clock. Where do you start? Oh, the clock, the all, why are there so many numbers on the clock? Well, it's a yeah. 24-hour 
it's not a 24-hour clock. Okay. It's a 24-hour representation of what? The position of the sun in the sky. The position of the sun. The dark part, my daughter informs me, is not a crooked horizon, but sunrise and sunset, last light. When does it get super dark? You feel me? Yes, I think I am. See, see I thought I was going to crash a Microsoft simulator. <laughs> and she says, no, that's, that's, that's not a horizon, you <laughs> dummy. Glad I'm more like mom. Yeah. <laughs> idiot. <laughs> now then what I don't totally get then what I, and I, I talked about this on the, uh, last night with some folks, but w- what are the, so that you, you see the 24 hour, uh, not clock, the 24 hour uh, sonogram. And then there's the circle inside. That's not the clock. What are those dots? Like for example, on, at, if you look at it, at, yeah. <laughs> I was about to say at nine o'clock uh, at the, <laughs> at the West side, of the inside circle, what right. the, there's four dots that represent the changing of light. And then there's a dot at what appears to be 1 p.m. Is that, that's not appointments, is it? It's I, be I, 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 I don't know. It looks cool though, doesn't it? Yeah, it looks really cool. Yeah. I don't Pretty know confusing. that I could, yeah, I don't know that I would get that much out of it personally, but. Pulse is, pulse is 79. Is that high excited, for you? Pretty excited doing the show. Yeah. That's standard for me. That's pretty standard for me. Okay. Um, and what else? Let's see. Where were we? Do have some listener letters we could cover quickly? Yeah, let's do one of those. What do you want to do? Yeah, we, we, uh, you, you've done our two sponsors, right? Yeah. <clears throat> um, I just thought this one was fun. Uh, I'm pulling out some old listener letters here from listener Walt on this week's uh, episode. I mean, how old this is, uh, 439, you talked about how, the, how old were the actors' website. Well, it's not in their database. One of my favorite examples of this is, so do you remember this, everybody? This is when we were talking about um, how old was somebody when they were in a certain role and uh, like how wild that can be. There's the, you know, the, the Brimley thing. What's it called? The Brimley line? The Brimley yes. line? Yes. Yeah. Where, where, how, uh, how who it's is a Twitter, as old? It's a Twitter user that tracks when somebody has reached the age in days of Wilford Brimley when he was in Cocoon. And there, if you're, if you're my age, you're 52 going on older. It's pretty wild when they announce who is now the age that Wilford Brimley was in Cocoon. <laughs> right. Where he played an, el- an, an elderly, re- yeah. you know, retirement community aged man. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite examples is the classic uh, 1954 movie, White Christmas. I prefer Holiday Inn, but White Christmas is fine. Not only was Bing Crosby, 51, old enough to be Rosemary Clooney, 26's father, he was also six months older than Dean Jagger, who played the retired general whose inn they were trying to save. I love stuff like this. My example of this, which I, you know, I'm a basic bitch. This is the most famous example of this, and it's so good. Uh, in the wonderfully weird movie, Manchurian Candidate, mm. um, Frank Sinatra is in the movie. And Frank Sinatra's mother is played by Angela Lansbury. Yes. Uh, at the time, Frank Sinatra was 37. And the woman who played his mother, Angela Lansbury, was 35. That's <laughs> so strange, isn't That's it? That's real weird. It's really that weird. That says a lot about one or possibly two people or more. That's weird. So weird. Thank you, know, you to listener Walt for sharing that. I was going to say, back in those days, it was simply... We're, we're making a movie. We'll, we need some people yeah, in get it. Get some people. We need this many men and this many women and this right. many of them need to be famous. Right. That was it. Well, that I'll, was tell basically what's, the I'll, tell, I'll tell you what's funny is um, we've been trying to work our way. Uh, so when we went to that lodge, I, I don't need to be dodgy about this. It's up in a place called Bodega Bay, 
where uh, 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 whose claim to fame among some people is that it's where Alfred Hitchcock shot some of the scenes uh, from the birds. And um, and it turned out that looking at the map, we were like, we, like after dinner, when we went to the seafood joint one night and it turned out we were like five or eight minutes away from the church um, in uh, the birds and from the like school in the oh, birds cool. where the, where the playground scene is with all the birds. Yeah. So anyway, long story short, and they're right next to each other. As it turns out, they're on the same lot basically. So we went to look at that and then that got us, that has become an avenue for getting into Hitchcock movies. My daughter has, uh, it's pretty weird to walk in the room and your daughter is rewatching rear window. Cause she just likes it. I was like, wow, that's, Cool. I mean, it's a pretty accessible movie. A little slow at first, but how cool is that that she loves Rear Window? Yeah. But the, when, we're, when we're watching Rear Window, which he's seen, I think, at least three times now, we'll be watching the scene. I don't know if you remember this, but um, uh, Jimmy Stewart, the wonderful Jimmy Stewart, is yes. in it. And he uh, has is a photographer who's been, who broke his legs super bad and has this huge cast. Uh, and he's kind of stuck in his room doing nothing, um, being mean to his physical therapist, being a creep <laughs> with people outside. And not understanding what had what whose cat did you save from a tree that you get to, that you get to date? Uh, uh, what's her name? What's her name? The Princess of Monaco, Grace uh, Grace Kelly. My God! In what universe is Jimmy Stewart with Grace Kelly? <laughs> yeah. So that's happening. But there's a scene when the the very funny physical therapist lady is like helping. I think helping him out of his wheelchair, and his like pajama shirt is open. And um, <laughs> he he's he's just like a like a like a bare-chested, hairless old man. Yeah. And I said, would it surprise you to know that he was kind of the Tom Hanks of his time? And she's like, is, why do they? He looks like that. And why? <laughs> it's was the standards were so different. The idea yes. of like like, can you imagine today having Jimmy Stewart chest and like being in a movie? No. It would be a sign of how old you are. Yeah. <laughs> it would be harder and harder to believe that Grace Kelly puts up with you in your nonsense. Anyways, that's a good movie. Raymond Burr, you know, it's real good. I have not watched that for probably 20 years. Is it's it? All, it's obviously all done on a soundstage, but yeah. what a soundstage it is. It's so astonishing. The way it's all shot is just so beautiful. Everything was on a soundstage back then. And I think, I don't think that was even a, a topic people thought about back then. It but was just gotta be stuff like there's gotta be rain at those <clears> points <throat> when he comes out. And why is, why is Raymond Burr keep coming out with his rain and, and the case and there's the dog in the yard and the lady. And like, you just think about what went into trying to like, what now today we look at stuff like Warner's, we look at those, um, Scorsese or, uh, you know, I guess Orson Welles style one shot things, mm -hmm. children mm -hmm. of men type stuff. Yeah. And I, now I look at that and I go, Oh my God, can you imagine all the talent and all the effects and all the light, the, all the lighting, all the stuff that you would have to coordinate in order to like, get some of those shots it's crazy anyway jimmy stewart good actor yeah, yeah. weird chest <laughs> uh do you want to do okay you know what i'm gonna throw this out okay. you can reject this okay listener evan a few weeks back again dated back to work 432 dan had mentioned something about a big disney story that could change the way people think about disney it was all very vague and foreboding and there was mention of it possibly taking place on a different podcast has it happened yet let me hear. Let me just cut to the chase. Dan, are you ever going to curse us with the one piece of Disney information that we uh, should never learn? Are you ever going to share that here? I'm. I would share it now if I could remember what the heck it was. Okay. Why don't you work on that? You okay. pray on that, 
and then maybe next time around. I mean, I'd remember saying that I, I didn't want to share my. We could, over- we could uh, roll back to four three two and see what it is. You, you that might jog. Yeah, I have to. I'll have to play that after. Put the, that. Uh, put on you. Put that on your Tadawist. All right. And uh, roll back to BT BT Dubs four three two. You got it. Squeeze and pull and hurt my neck nineteen eight. And then uh, you can maybe have that for us, and I'll put that in follow-up. Okay, that's fine. One last letter uh, from listener Matthew with a question that uh, uh, I don't know the answer to. My favorite kind. Listener Matthew says, I've started a new job at a luxury car dealership. Weird flex, but whatever. Since I have an IT background, I noticed... (laughs) Since I have an IT background, I noticed a horrible oversight or ignorance amongst the employees here. Uh, They do not exercise safe password protection. Passwords are very easy to figure out, and most of them are written on sticky notes stuck to the computer monitor. Oh, boy. Here's the nut. Uh, I want to bring this to the attention of the boss, but I am new to the team. Any suggestions how I could broach this subject and possibly convince him to switch to a password manager like LastPass? Thank you to listener Matthew. Dan, if you were the new guy at a luxury car dealership, thank you, Matthew. If you were a new guy at a luxury car dealership and you were concerned about security, including passwords, Mm -hmm. what would you do about that? Or maybe another way to think of it, if you were the person who was ultimately responsible for that and not doing it well, what would persuade you to be better about that? What should listener Matthew do at his luxury car dealership? Gosh, I mean, there's so many. It depends on how uh, how devious he wants to be or what kind of risks he feels he could take with that. Because, I mean, he could always do something that would demonstrate to them why having a password manager yeah, and using good that. passwords people hate that that makes people so much more defensive i know so i don't i know i, don't I know like, what that. are you gonna do are you gonna like uh, do an arrested development style like and that's why i mean i i don't know the answer my, my only thought on it is there might be a little bit of an xy problem here first of all in the sense of um well if you go into a restaurant um and there's tons of rats running around in the dining room um, don't assume there's no rats in the kitchen. Assume there's many more rats in the kitchen. Uh-huh. So when I say an XY problem, um, in this instance, you may be seeing just one aspect of a much bigger problem, I not see. just in IT, but in management. But who knows? It could just be these are old people and they don't worry about that and they don't like to change their password and blah, blah, blah. Well, but- uh, yeah, and I, w- I want to throw in, what is it that could be obtained if the passwords were known is it something as important as like the employee database of you know information and and records and salaries or is it is it like they could see which car is on the lot right now which still you might not want anyone just anyone to be able to do but isn't is a very different kind of a yes i I think you're actually you're you're saying this better than I was saying it, which is that, okay, well, uh, we can all agree on cheese. We, we, we all, uh, everybody nominally says, if you say to somebody, is it better to have good passwords, hygiene, good, good password hygiene or bad password hygiene? Most people, you know, because they don't want to get dingling, are going to say, well, good password hygiene. And yet, like at every turn, let's be honest, at every turn from a user standpoint, it so benefits you to have a monkey ass broken stupid password, Right. Like we, let's be honest. If you, if you don't know the trick of having to, of being able to use your iPhone, um, for an Apple TV remote, you don't want a military grade three trillion year password. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. And even if you do, if you have your two FA wrong, it's not going to help you. So layers and layers and layers, X, Y problems all the way down. So if we set aside the whole, like, well, of course I'm not dumb. I know good passwords. What is it like what Dan is saying here? What is it you are trying 
what is it that's giving you this uh, sort of emotional response that I would have, or what is it you're trying to prevent? Right. And I'm, I mean, if you're a nerd or a geek, it'd be pretty easy to just go, well, I don't need a reason. My reason is passwords should be better. And right. <laughs> that right. really right. should be enough. Like, you know, every password somebody has, uh, they're learning something. So it's up to everybody involved to say, like, do you want them to be learning this kind of thing or that kind of thing? I'd like them to be learning this kind of thing. Pick a five-word phrase. It's, it's, I know it's so unbelievable, but a five-word phrase with spaces is going to be so much better than this, the really stupid spelled-out leet word right. that guy gave you. It's right. so bizarre, but it's true. Yeah. I'll see if I can go back and find Jeff Goldberg's wonderful article, uh, was, you remember that article? Jeff works at, uh, he's the Defense Against the Dark Arts director at uh, 1Password. They're kind of like crypto, keep up with what's happening and know the score guy. And he, he has this wonderful example using why you w- would never use this seemingly secure password that invokes the three stooges. <laughs> and, uh, and it's really, really good. And I promise I'll find it for show notes. Um, you know what? Okay, so here's what I'm going to say to listener Matthew. This is a very satisfy- uh, unsatisfying answer. Um, I would gauge, I would gauge the waters before you get too aggressive about it. Yeah. So like the, the very first thing I would at least think about, cause I imagine, you know, the answer to this, um, who's under whose authority, under whose management would something like the IT stuff be covered? So I'm, I'm guessing, I'm gut, just guessing that they probably hire, there's probably some kind of like an office manager who hires people to take care of that stuff. I doubt that that. A, even a luxury car dealership, I doubt there's somebody on staff in your building today who makes those decisions. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's completely accurate. So I would test the waters with whoever made that buying or management decision to, to get a gauge for whether and how it could be effective to have that conversation because you just might get yourself in a ton of trouble as you've already figured out, right? Um. But, you know, if you gauge that this is a, boy, I sound so mean to say this. If you gauge that this is a, a young person who's merely busy, uh, rather than an old person who's ignorant, you could, you could say to them, hey, you know, can we talk about this password thing? Because I'll tell you what could happen. For example, just dumb stuff. Like somebody could go to somebody else's uh, terminal, somebody else's computer and like fake a sale or like there's all kinds of things that could expose us to certain kinds. I, I would, I would. I would not make it about being a good geek. I would make it about uh, an easy win for that buyer or manager uh, to get by fixing a problem before it happened. That's all I can think of. It's going to be tough to impress the importance of that to I would somebody. Not, I would who'd... not open with, here's your options for a password manager. Because that's not going to be a sell. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yes. I think, I'm, I'm thinking about, of course, in my head, I'm thinking about that wonderful episode of I want to say Radio Lab might have been this American Life, but there's that one episode where they spend the month at the car dealership. Did you ever hear that oh, episode? Oh no, I haven't heard this one. Oh my god, it's so good. I, I think it might be Radio Lab. It's either Radio Lab or This American Life, and it's really good. Uh, so Three Stooges, Goldberg, and um, a podcast car dealership. Oh yeah, it's so good. Um, so anyway, thank you to uh, listener Matthew. Uh, Matthew, if you want to follow up uh, through the email and let us know uh, what you ended up deciding to do, even if it was nothing, I'd be interested to hear. I would too. Yeah. I, I recently went through uh, something with uh, my wife 
where she, for a long time, I had set up, and this is, I, this is not intended to be disparaging against my wife's computer password habits, but mm-hmm. I, I just want to bring this no, out okay. into the open. It's a safe place for us yes. to share. So I had, um, I had set her up a while back with one password and showed her how to use it, got it set up on the computer, on the phone. Now, this is a few years back before 1Password switched to their subscription model that a lot of people were very upset about. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and so she had started using it, but I didn't, I didn't follow up with her and say, hey, honey, are you using 1Password? I set it up for you for a reason. I just sort of said, of course she's using <laughs> Cause, it. Because when you have that conversation, you talk like a David Letterman character. That's, that's right. And, uh, and so... I'll call him Earl. Earl. So I thought, you know, yeah, she, she must be. Of course she is using this. Of course she is. Mm-hmm. And... I come to find out recently when I, we recently replaced, oh, I need to talk about that too. At some point hmm. we, we had an old iMac at home. It was about six years old. It was a late 2013 to yeah, 21 and a half inch iMac. Hmm. And it had, it started out fine, but over the last year or two, it seemed to just start to get really, really, really slow. And what, what year, what year? 20 late 2013, 21 and a half inch iMac. My 2015 still feels very capable. Well, I I think it is. And to be honest, it's a different Mac. It's got the retina and everything. This one was not retina, unfortunately, but you know, it just got to the point where we thought, you know, maybe it's time six years, it's time to replace it. And, uh, and so what it really, what was happening wasn't that the operating system was too much for it. It was just the hard drive. It had a spinning drive and the drive oh, no kidding. had just grown very slow. I did some research and I talked to a couple of people I know who, who are obsessive about hard drives and they kind of said, yeah, you know, drives will. And I used to see this when I was doing server stuff all the time. Drives do get slow. I mean, that's, that's something that happens as they start to die. So that's if they get slow and there's nothing else wrong with your computer and it seems really slow, it might be. And of course, now we're all spoiled by SSD drives. So I went uh, to Otherworld Computing, which is uh, MacSales.com. Love them. They have a kit that is because they this will is walk a, you through so much complicated stuff. Oh, and they have all the right They're stuff so for you. Everything is right there. Now this is the generation of iMac and the size of iMac where they had, if you got the twenty-one and a half inch iMac, you couldn't do anything to it. You can't upgrade the RAM. You can't do anything without peeling off the screen. And really getting in there, the, the, the same is true for the recent iMacs in 21 and a half inch. However, the 27 inch, you can upgrade the Ram. There's a little part on the back. You pop that off and slap the Ram in there easy. But this of course was the one and I had never peeled a screen off before. They have a kit. It was 150 bucks. You get a 500 gig SSD drive. You get the suction cups that you put on the front of the screen to pull it off. You get this special tool that looks like a miniature plastic pizza cutter that you roll around the outside of the screen that's just the right size to not damage the camera, but oh also my undo the... You've never put that together on your own. And you get replacement adhesive <laughs> that you can use that's exactly sized for that particular model of iMac. And, and they even throw in an external USB drive chassis so that you can take the old hard drive out and put it in and still get oh, to your data. Wow. For that 150 so... bucks, it's like yeah. a no-brainer. 
I so I well, did I that. that. I bought my first SSD drive from them. Yeah, just because they made it easy to pick out an SSD drive. Right. Uh, and this little clear case that you could put it in. Oh yeah. And it was yeah. like they, they just made it. I I used them for. I bought my hard drive for for my external drive, and I bought my dock for connecting all the things when right. I got my iMac. I did it all. Did it all with them. They're the best. They are really really great. And uh, and so I got this, and I followed their. They have a wonderful video. Followed the video, and it went fine. It was great, easy. So I uh, I I went through this whole process. Got that. So now that computer is here. I can, it's, and it, and it's fast. I mean, I won't say it's not fast like a new iMac, but it's perfectly mm. capable. But in the oh, process, that's, it's, it's such a huge difference. When, when we were kids, it was RAM. Like you add RAM to your Mac and boy, you see a difference. It's, oh, like, yeah. It's just, it's not even a discussion point anymore. Getting a pure SSD drive will, I mean, I think Jason Snell talked about this. He was putting one in a Mac mini or helping out a family member. Putting, yeah. Putting in a full, not a not a transition turbo, whatever that thing's called, a full-on right. SSD drive that you can barely afford, scarcely <laughs> afford, will absolutely change your game. And if you use any other old spinning disk computer after that, it's going to blow your mind. Yeah, like, how did I live like this? It really has it always taken that long for an app to launch. Oh my god. <laughs> That's so, so wild. I love it. But in, in in getting in getting her set up on the new iMac, uh-huh. um it it became uh clear to me that in fact um she had not been using one password at all. Yeah. And had been doing other things. Uh that <laughs> I you know, like uh-huh. a text file yeah. with passwords in it, things like yeah. that. Yeah. And so I was in the, I, so in order to get that's, this that's whole thing, not unusual at uh, all. And it is also completely understandable. It is. It is. And uh, well, I mean, the, the thing is, the truth is now to me, like, and I don't want to oversell one password because this is also iOS at work, but in iOS 12, I don't know if that's when it started exactly having that ability to have, yes, yes, your keychain passwords. Yes. Your keychain passwords. Yes. Auto enterable practically anywhere but then to also let you pick an, a second one that you could make primary like one password we're like even in a what do you call it it used to be though the it used to be because you have imagined five years ago that you could be on a mobile phone and get i don't know what you call it a realm password yeah not the kind that's on the page but the pop-up that's from HD Access or wherever I always call it a realm, but like you get the pop-up that was no way you couldn't get into that thing. There was no, it was like, no, 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 no. You have to click with your, with your meat finger to get in there and then type it exactly. Uh, and to, like now today, it'll even, it'll let you get into your iCloud when it gives you the pop-up. It'll let you I get know. into any of those. You don't have to think about it anymore, but like that's still, that's a, that's a big, as they say, a big ask to go from, I understand what I'm looking at in a text file and can paste it in. To like, I, I trust that this thing will always, you know, be there when I need it. Yes. And until they wipe out that password from all those other places. Right. Well, once yep. it's in there, who knows where it goes. But yeah. I, I don't fault her at all. That's totally normal. So anyway, you know, I got her all set up with this. And yeah. the new, I will say, I was, I had not upgraded to the new 1Password yet. I had still so been was using. was that 1Password 7? Yeah, the new uh, the new one is seven, and the old one was six, and you could keep using the old one, and yeah. but the new one has all kinds of really good syncing capabilities. Yes, it looks very good, and what they have is a really cool thing that's like one password account for your family, so you can actually get it set up for your your spouse, your kids, other people, and I think it's like five people for 
60 bucks a year or something like that is how, how mm-hmm. it's worked. And then they handle the sinking and everything. And so I just, I want to recommend that to people who are looking for a, a solution. I think LastPass is the other big competitor out there for them, but that, um, that overall, uh, this is a, is a very sustainable solution now. And I'm really I've never impressed. gone into the family thing, but everybody says it's terrific because there are certain kinds of things like anybody, Anybody should be able to get into whatever this the this shared thing. Mm-hmm. These two people should be able to pay the electric bill, et cetera. That's nice to not have to maintain those separately and risk. And again, so again, what right? Because you can you... have you can basically have a shared yeah. a shared vault, I guess is what they call it. Uh, and but like to to take this point further, and again, I'm not an expert on this, but um, so let's say, oh, oh oh yeah, so mom and dad both know the PG&E password. Um, and so we can't change that password. It, like if you, if you have it on your sticky note and I have it on my sticky note, we would have to really coordinate before mm-hmm. we change that. Mm-hmm. Oh no. Like, no, if you, if you have a vault that you share, you can and should change that password. In the case of something like your phone provider, you can and should have a code that you have to, you know, give to uh, do a SIM swap and stuff like that. Right. Right. Um, I regret saying that. Um, so anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, you see the president yesterday uh, just wait, getting excited about ex- describing the technology of the replacement wall. Uh, yeah, I saw you. Uh, I saw you tweeting. Oh, there about was that. that. No, no, you saw that. Okay, there's another one where he's like, "Oh, it's tremendous! The wall, some of the greatest technology. People are going to tell you about that today." And like, they said, I think they actually said on mic. So actually, it would probably be um, advisable not to discuss the specifics of that. And he goes, well, all right, uh, uh, let me tell you, it's wired. <laughs> mm. Everything's going great. <laughs> all right, let's do this thing. We done here? <laughs> yeah. I'll find. So what do I owe you? I owe you, um, you owe me, go, listening back to episode 432. Yes. I owe you and our listeners uh, Jeff Jeff's uh, password thing, which is really similar to the XKCD thing. Mm-hmm. I'll find that too. Okay. You know the, the classic one? Yeah. About passwords? Yeah. Yep. A KCXD, KCRW, I don't know, uh, D, uh, thing, password. All right. And, uh, finally I will find the podcast episode about a car dealership. All ding right. Dong, ding dong. All righty. Hey, uh, hey, hey Dan, let's button this up. I think that's the right thing to do. Okay. I love you. Love you too, Merlin, man.